that we're here to celebrate on this Easter Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, when I think about when I think about the two major Christian holidays, we think about Christmas and we think about Easter. Well, somehow or another, it seems like though that that maybe maybe we don't give as much attention. Maybe we we don't kind of zero in on Easter quite as much as we do Christmas. Don't do you think so? I mean. I mean, how many people realize that, like, like Christmas starts earlier and earlier every year? Have you noticed that? Probably this year it would be like July 4th, you know, here's hot dogs, apple pie, and buy your Christmas tree. I mean, you know, something, it just seems like it gets earlier and earlier all the time. You know, Christmas, when we think about it, Christmas, of course, we always know when it's going to be. It's going to be December 25th, right? It's always going to be the same time, but when it comes to Easter, we, we don't know what day it's going to be. <laughs> we don't know, and we don't even know what month it is. Hey, welcome to April, right? Here Easter is in April, so uh, we, we just don't know. So I know Easter kind of moves around on us, maybe a little harder to, to focus in on. But Easter, you know, when Easter comes along, we, we do a few small things. But when Christmas starts, man, we go all out on Christmas, don't we? I mean, Christmas, there's songs through the season, there's um, decorations, lights on houses, uh, there's, 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 there's celebrations and parties and food and, and get-togethers and food and, and, and all kinds of different food throughout Christmas, right? How many people know that? Right? How many people gain at least six pounds during every Christmas season, right? right? How many people aren't going to raise their hand because it's a lot more than that, right? So, Yeah. Man, we kind of, we do, we, we, we just go all out for Christmas. I mean, Christmas even has its own ugly sweaters, you know. I mean, they, their own Christmas sweaters. And it's just, just kind of not like that with Easter, right? At Easter, you may wear a new dress. Some of you really looking good today. Guys, we may get new shirts. Man, I got a new shirt on this morning, right, you know. So we, uh, we might even get together with families, you know, take a family picture or something like that. Don't forget, out in the foyer here today, when you're leaving, there's a place that's set up. You can stop and have a family picture taken. So uh, you might go out and eat. Anybody going to go out and eat today? Anybody going to have a family lunch? So got a bunch of starving people in here. Nobody's going out to eat today. Right, man, we're going to get together. We're going to eat. We're going to have fun. But, but you know what? I think Easter really pales in comparison when we think about all of the, the focus, the energy, the time, the resources that we put towards it. Now, before you go, wait a minute. Pastor Sam is a Scrooge. He doesn't like Christmas. That's not what I'm saying, okay? I love Christmas. I love the fact that we get to eat. I mean, I love that. <laughs> I, I love baby Jesus. I love Jesus in the manger. I, I, I love the, 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 the spirit of the time and just everything that goes on about it. But can I tell you, I really am concerned that there is a diminishing, a diminishing focus, a diminishing appreciation for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is, man, guys, you know what? This is the greatest day ever today. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It's the greatest day ever. And, and, and I'm just concerned. I don't want us to ever lose focus of how valuable, how important, how amazing the resurrection is. Now, this, this isn't something new. The Apostle Paul, back um, just 20 or 25 years after the resurrection of Jesus, or after Jesus died and was resurrected, he's writing to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Apostle Paul 
is writing to the Corinthian church, and one of the things that he focuses in on there, he goes, hey, guys, I don't know how this is happening so quickly, but you're, you're, you're kind of losing your appreciation, your value, your esteem for the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and, and this can't happen. And so here's what he writes, beginning in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 15, he says this. He says, now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up if, in fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. Now, Paul says a lot there. So what, I, what I'd like to do is, is just take a moment and kind of, kind of paraphrase and maybe just break apart a little bit what he's saying here. The first thing that Paul says here, he's saying, hey, listen, if Christ isn't risen, if he really did not raise from the dead, if he didn't come out of that tomb, then there's some, some things that we need to take note of. He said first, and the first thing he says is, is that you're preaching, it's empty. He says, if Christ isn't risen, that then, then every time you get together for a church service, every song that you sing, every sermon that's preached, all the fellowship you do, it's just it's foolishness. He says it's it's just a it's a fairy tale. It's a it's a it's a fable. It's a myth. There's there's nothing really going on if Christ is not risen. He goes on. He says, also not only is your preaching in vain, is it is it empty? He says, but but your faith is empty. He said there's there's really nothing to put faith in if Christ isn't risen. He said, just like you're preaching, it's, it's, it's a lie. It's a, it, it, you're, you're being deceived. It's a, it's a fable. He said, you, you just don't have anything to put your faith in. He goes on, he says, and if that's the case, then we, you and I, are spreading lies. He's saying to the people, he said, all that preaching we've done, all that time when we've gone around and we've told our family and we've told our friends that, that there was this man named Jesus and he lived a sinless life and he died on a cross and he, he was resurrected, then he said, then you know what you are? You're liars. You're deceivers. He said, matter of fact, you're bearing false witness. Now, we know that that's a little bit different back in the Bible days than it is in our day. We see people all the time that they, they lie. They get in front of a, a judge or a courtroom. They go in front of a grand jury or a Senate committee. We see it on television all the time. And, and, they, and they, they, you know, they just don't tell the truth. They're a false witness. And Sometimes they get a smack on the wrist, or sometimes they, they get a little bit of a fine. Sometimes they, they, um, maybe they might even serve a little jail time. But in Paul's time, in the biblical days, you know what happened? If somebody was a false witness, they got put to death. So he's saying, you know what? If Christ isn't risen, all this stuff that you're doing, you're deceiving people. You're worthy of death there. And then he goes on. He says, and not only that, if Christ is not risen, you are still in your sin. He said, all of those moral things, those immoral things you've done, all of those wrongs that have gone on in your life, every time that you've lied, every time that you've deceived, you've, you've stolen, you've lusted, you've, whatever it is, all of those sins, 
They're, they're not forgiven. You're, they're still on your life. They're, they're still piled up. They're still weighing on you. You're still responsible for them, and somebody's going to have to pay for them. Man, I hate to even think about that. I really do. I mean, can you imagine if we had to pay for our own load of sin on our lives? That would be horrible. It would be terrible, wouldn't it? He goes on and he says, and then those, those who have died in Christ, those who have already who are already dead. You know what he says about them? He says, they've just perished. They're just dead. We don't know where they are, <laughs> but they're just dead. They're, 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 they're just, there's, there's nothing else. He said, if Christ isn't risen, then what else could there be? We don't know where they're at. Because if Christ isn't risen, then they're definitely not in heaven because there is no heaven. And not only are they not in heaven, you're not going to heaven. Nobody's going to heaven. He says, man, and if there's no heaven, if there's no other place, if there's no other option, if, if, in, if we're only living for this life, then those who are living for Jesus Christ now, then you're suffering for nothing. As a matter of fact, he said you should be pitied if, if you're putting your trust and your confidence and your faith in Jesus Christ right now. Because if he's not risen, it's just foolishness. You know, at this time, again, this is 25 years or so after Jesus um, was crucified and buried. And during that time, Rome was beginning to really ramp up the persecution against Christians. Anybody remember in your history books, you read some horrible, horrible things that took place. Christians were, were taken, and because they were following Jesus Christ, because of their faith, because of what they believed in, because they'd, they'd staked their life on it, because they were... They, they thought they were overcoming by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the testimony, but, but if Jesus isn't risen, there isn't anything that they can believe in. Because of that, they were being thrown to the lions. They, they, were, they were dying on a daily basis. They were, they were being um, kicked out of their homes, run out of communities. One historian tells us that, that Christians, one way Christians were persecuted was that they were they were uh, some were crucified, others were put on a, a pole and, and covered in, in, in tar, and, and then they were set on fire. They were set on fire so they could provide light to the streets and to the Colosseum. A horrible time. And Paul says, Why? Why would anybody do that if Christ is not risen? Why? That's 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 he said it's just lunacy, and they're to be pitied. You know, that kind of relates to us today, doesn't it? Why would we put our faith in, in, in a God who's not real, in a Jesus who's not risen? Why would we do that? Why would we continue to, to pursue, to live, and to serve a holy God, and to live in, in righteousness? Why would we do that? Why would, would missionaries risk their lives? Why would people suffer through pain and sickness and poverty? And Why would they do those things if Christ is not risen? It's ridiculous. If there's not a resurrection, there's not any hope. And so, folks, I think we can see, can't we? The resurrection's a big deal. The, the resurrection is a huge, huge issue. Just turn to somebody and say, resurrection's a big deal. Go ahead. Resurrection's a big deal. It's huge. It's important. And it's important for us to understand and for to know and to believe that the resurrection is a reality. 
Paul says, I want you to know this. I want it to be burned into your heart. I want it to be burned into your mind. I want you to, to, to understand why we believe that the resurrection is a reality. And so he, he begins to lay out these proofs to the, um, to the Corinthian church. And I want to share them with you. I'm not going to read the scriptures, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 5 through 9, you can read it for yourself. He kind of lays out just this, this list of, of why, why people should believe in the resurrection. He says this, he said, first of all, that when Jesus was resurrected, he appeared to Simon Peter, okay? He appeared to Simon Peter. Now we go, hey, big deal. Why did he appear to one person? Anybody remember the story about Peter? Remember he was a follower of Jesus? Remember he was kind of the, the big mouth in the group, right? Somebody, he always had something to say. He was always mouthing out. And Jesus says, ah, everybody's going to forsake me. And, Paul, and Peter's like, I'll never forsake you. Everybody else may forsake you, but I'll always stand with you. You know, they come to arrest Jesus in the garden, and, and, and Peter goes, I'll defend you, whips out his sword and cuts off a man's ear, and Jesus has to heal him. Peter, put your sword away. Peter says, I'll always be there with you. Well, and just a few hours later, Peter, Peter saw Jesus arrested. He was following. He knew that there were terrible things happening to him, and fear got into his life. And, and he's gathered around a fire with a group of people, and somebody points at him and says, hey, wait a minute. I think you were with Jesus. And no, I wasn't with Jesus. Not me. I'm not a follower of Jesus. He began to, 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 to say, no, no, no. They said, yeah, yeah, I don't even know this Jesus. And just to prove how much he didn't know Jesus, he began to act like the crowd. He began to cuss and swear and mock and, and just to prove that he didn't have a relationship with Jesus. He failed Jesus. And I love this, that Jesus in the midst of his failure, Jesus says, when, when he was resurrected, Jesus says, I'm going to go find Peter. And I'm going to let him know that even though he failed me, I'm not going to fail him. And that even though he turned his back on me, and even though he, he didn't come, I'm coming after him. And for some of us, I'm telling you, there's been times in my life where I've blown it and I've messed up. And man, and I've wanted to hide from the Lord. And I'm so thankful that today... The resurrected Jesus Christ, he's coming after us. He's reaching out to us. Is anybody glad for that this morning? Man, I'm glad for that today. I really, really am. And so Paul goes on, he says, hey, not only did, not only did Jesus, when he was risen, not only did he show himself to Peter, but he showed himself to the 12 disciples. He showed himself to 500 people. And he goes on, he says, and, and these 500 people, most of them, are still alive today. Again, only 25 years or so after the resurrection. He says, most of them are alive. He says, if you don't believe what I'm telling you, you can go and find some of these people who had a, a personal experience. They personally saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. And you can go and ask them. Their personal witnesses, their personal testimony is that they met the resurrected Jesus. And, and can, I tell you, can I give you some good news here? That, that many of these people, many of these ones who, G, who Jesus appeared to, that they were women. Uh, women, I thought you'd be, yay, go Jesus, <laughs> right? You know what? Uh, some of the first people, matter of fact, the first people that Jesus showed himself to when he was resurrected were women. What's important about that? What's important for us to know that Jesus is reaching out. Jesus wants to reveal himself to everybody, to men and women, to, to followers, the people who had forsaken him for leaders, for losers, everybody, Jesus, is reaching out. 
He's reaching out to each and to every person. Then he goes on, he says, not only that, not only did he show himself to 500, he showed himself to James, his brother. James was not a believer, was not a follower, was not one of the disciples. But after he sees, after he has an experience with the resurrected Jesus, you know what happens? He becomes a leader of the New Testament church, of the early church. He he becomes the, the leader. Can I tell you that Jesus can change your situation? One experience with Jesus can change your situation forever. Amen? He really can. And then he showed himself to all of the apostles, those 70 people who had been out and sent out, had been commissioned to do ministry. Jesus showed himself to all of those, of all of those people. And then we find out that Jesus even showed himself to his enemies. How do we know that? Because Paul wraps up this section by saying, and then, last of all, least of all, he showed himself to me. Paul said, hey, I, I, I used to be against Jesus. I, I, would, I used to go and persecute the church. I, I was one of the ones that said, get them, kill them, you know, crucify them, burn them, stone them, feed them to the lions. I was one of the ones who did that. But then... Then the risen Jesus, then the resurrected Jesus Christ came and he met with me personally. He, he came and, he, and when he did, when I had an encounter with Jesus, when I experienced the resurrected Jesus, my life changed. You know that Jesus is all about changing lives, all about changing lives. So, you know, this is why Paul I think that he, when he stands there, he's standing there going through all of these testimonies, all of these things, all of these proofs for the resurrection of Jesus. And, and then mostly he says, and I know it's true because it's my story. It's my experience. So he went on and he said, so I can boldly proclaim to you what he does in verse 20. He says, now Christ is risen from the dead and he has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as in Adam all died, listen to this, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Everybody say that with me. All shall be made alive. One more time. All shall be made alive. You know, we've been doing a series called Easter's for Everyone. I want to let you know, resurrection is for everyone. Resurrected Jesus Christ is reaching out to you. He wants to to come and he wants this to be a, a very, very special, special, wonderful time for you. And so I like what Paul does now. It's kind of neat. He says, remember all of those negative arguments I I talked to you about? If Christ is not risen, he said, well, now I want to turn it around and I want to show you some positives. So let's look back through that that list again. We we, we read the negatives. It said this. He said, Paul said, listen, if, if Jesus is not risen, then your preaching's empty, your services is empty, you might as well go out in the boat, right? You might as well take the time off. Man, this getting together, uh, there's nothing to it. It's just, it's just empty. But, but he says, but when Jesus is resurrected, because Jesus is resurrected, we can, we can know that his word is true. And what he says in Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18 verse 20, Jesus gives us this promise. He says, if two or more people, everybody know the scripture? If two or more people gather together in my name, then I will come and I will be in the midst of them. Well, we know he's going to be with us personally. But when we come together, 
when we gather together in church services, when we, when we come in and we say, yes, Jesus, we're coming in your name, we're, we're coming believing in you, we're coming expecting you to be here, that Jesus shows up, and he shows up to do this. He shows up to make his presence known and to meet the needs of the people. Jesus is here this morning to meet the needs of his people. Now, I don't know about you what your experience has been. I'm not going to say that every time I've ever been in a church service that, that that's been my experience. But can I tell you this? Man, there have been a lot of times in my life where I've come in weary. I've been carrying maybe just a, a sense of, of, I don't know, just stress and anxiety and pressure and discouragement and fear and worry. And Anybody else ever had any of that kind of stuff in their life? Yeah, man, we've, and we, we've gone through that, and it just kind of it kind of presses us down. Has anybody ever felt that? Just the weight, the weight of the responsibilities of life, the, the stress in a marriage relationship, dealing with those kids. Man, I'm just telling you, our kids are not here this morning, right? That's right. You know, deal, they are, you know, dealing with those wonderful blessings that God has given us, right? Dealing with, man, it can just wear you out and wear you down. And I hope you've experienced this because I've had it happen. And can I tell you, even this morning, it's happened. All of a sudden, you get together and you're, you're with a group of guys, maybe some of the staff, the pastors getting together. And man, we come in and everybody gets to kind of unload and we talk about all the stuff, you know. And, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you can just sense that this, the atmosphere is changing. Something's different and Jesus is coming in and Jesus is showing up. I could go through just testimony after testimony after testimony of times when, man, I wasn't sure that I was going to make it. We were going to make it. I wasn't sure of what the future held. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a couple of people would get together or come into a church service and, and begin to sing and to worship, and something changes. The situation is the same, but, but man, God comes in and, and Jesus comes in and, and, and His Spirit makes us different. He makes life different. He, he gives peace and gives encouragement and strength and, and hope. And, and he says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to help you. Has anybody ever experienced that? Man, I've experienced it. And worship team, I want to say thanks again today. I've experienced it this morning. I don't know about you if you, if you sensed it, but there were, I could just sense the Holy Spirit just coming. And, and even when Roger was talking about that, I sensed that word this morning as a true word that, that if you're carrying, if you were carrying some physical issue in your body today, specifically something on your mind, or if you allow me, something dealing with your spine, I believe today, I believe today that God, that Jesus wants to come and he wants to meet the need of your life. All you got to do is just reach out and say, Jesus, welcome. I welcome you to come and to do that in my life. So Paul goes on, he says, hey, listen. Not only, not only will Jesus come in and will he be with us, not only will he, um, he just, you know, he join in, he'll show himself to do special things. Does anybody experience that? Am I the only, does any other people experience that when you come to church, when you get together with believers? Well, let, let, let me challenge you. Uh, let, let me say this. I'm going to lay out a little challenge here, okay? Today's the uh, April 1st, first day of the month. No, no fooling. It really is April 1st here. And, and congratulations. So far this month, you are batting 1,000 in church attendance. Give yourselves a, go ahead, give yourselves a hand this morning. Right? 
you're doing good. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. But I, but I want to challenge you. Three more Sundays. There's a few more Sundays coming this month. Come on back. I'm telling you, the series that we're going to do is going to be great. If you can't come here, go, go to church somewhere. Just, and when you go, can I encourage you? Go expecting that Jesus is going to show up, and he's going to come in, and he's going to be there to manifest his love and his power and his presence, and he's going to meet people's needs, and he's ready to meet your needs. How many people say, I think I can do that? Anybody think I can do that? Good, good, good. I'm, I'm proud of you. Way to go. So Paul goes on. He says, hey, listen, because Jesus is resurrected, your faith isn't in vain. He says, as a matter of fact, your faith, it's not a lie. It's not a myth. It's not a fabrication. He says, your faith is the most powerful, the most reasonable. Your, your faith is the greatest thing in all the world. I know that today in our world there are many things that are trying to come in and undermine the, our faith, to try to say, oh, Christianity, that's not real. That's not this. That's not that. But can I tell you this? Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a reality, you have the greatest faith in all of the world. Can I tell you that, that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the thing that changes Christianity from every other religion in the world? I mean, it really is that, that no, other, no other religion can, can make the, the claim that, that their main person, their hero, that he died and now he lives. Nobody else can say that. Man, you've got a great faith. You've got an incredible faith. You've got a, a historically reliable, dependable, defensible faith. And, and I'm telling you, I'm glad personally. I, I think about this. I think about Jesus started with a handful of people following him around on the dusty hillsides of Judea. And you know what? Today, there's over 2.2 billion followers of Jesus Christ. 2.2 billion people that say, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, and I'm honored to be one of them. Is there anybody else that feels that way today? You really should. You really should, man. I'm telling you, I know Christianity takes a lot of shots but, but, man, Christianity is real. Christians aren't. Man, we blow it occasionally. But when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, it is a faith, a real faith that lives forever. And so because of that, Paul says, you know what? He says, not only then, then you're not false witnesses. You're not worthy of death. He says, when you share, when you share the story of Jesus Christ, he said that, you know what? You're doing somebody the greatest favor that you could ever do them. He says, when you tell people the story of Jesus, and when you tell them your story, when, when, you, when you give them the opportunity to meet Jesus, man, you're doing them the biggest favor in the world. You're, you're giving them the opportunity to meet, to meet a Savior, a God who lives. And he's not just living and sitting on a, a throne just off distant from us somewhere. You know what he's doing? He's making himself available to come in and, and to make a difference in people's lives. He, he's coming in to, to transform lives, to change them for eternity, but also to change them for right now. He's coming in to, um, he's coming in to, to bring purpose into people's lives. 
He's coming in to say, you know what? I've got a plan for you, and I've got, I've got something uh, I'm calling you to, and I'm directing you to, and, and I've got a purpose for your life. When we, when we introduce people to Jesus, man, this is what we're doing. We're introducing them to a God who makes all of the difference in the entire world. Folks, that's my story. I, I can remember. I mean, I'm just telling you, I can remember when somebody shared with me shared with me in a, in, a, in a high school study hall that, that I was lost in my sin and that Jesus loved me and, and that he paid for my sin and I didn't have to carry it. That I could be forgiven, that I could be a new purpose, that he, that he had a plan for me. And can I tell you, it's changed my life. And I, I know many other people say, man, that's my story. Wow, God has changed my life. And I believe it, God wants it to be everybody's story. And so he goes on real quick. He says, and not only that, not only are you not false witnesses, but he says that without the resurrection, we're still in our sin. Do you remember that? Without the resurrection, you're, we're still in our sin. But he says, but because Jesus Christ is resurrected, your sin is no more. Because Jesus Christ is, rest, is resurrected, all of those sins, all those failures, that that pile of sin, right? Remember us talking about that? I think sometimes we think our pile's small, but man, all of that mountain of sin that caused me to be worthy of death, you to be worthy of death, that sin has been erased. That sin has been blotted out. That sin has been forgiven. It's been washed away. Somebody should be excited about this. Your sin, my sin, the Bible says that it's cast as far as the east is from the west, that God puts it in the, the sea of forgetfulness, and he chooses to remember it no more. Because Jesus Christ has resurrected, your sin, my sin, our sin is forgiven. It's blotted out. It's cleansed. That means that it makes an eternal difference, you know? It makes a difference for where we're going to spend eternity, heaven or hell. I think the choice is heaven, guys, right? The choice is heaven. And that's what having our sins cleansed, that it does for us. It doesn't just change our eternity, it changes our right now. I mean, I can't even imagine what it would be like to live if I had to carry around all the sin, all the failures, all the, golly day, all the things that I've, that I've done that have disappointed God and others. I can't imagine what it would be like to walk under the that kind of a weight and that kind of a load. I see people like that every now and then. You ever see anybody like that? Man, they're trying to figure life out. They're always looking for a fresh start somewhere, somehow, and just trying to get out from under this mountain of pressure and this mountain of guilt. And, and can I tell you that the only way is to let Jesus Christ just come in and change us, take it away, remove it. And then he, he gives us a purpose for life. Then he says, I'll walk with you. I'll be in you and I'll walk with you to help you live the life that I've created you to live. It brings a freedom. It brings a joy. It brings a peace. It brings a, just a grace that's really undescribable when we live that way. And he says, you know what? Paul goes on and he says this. Remember those people that, that they had died and they died in vain if Christ wasn't risen? So can I tell you something? Those people that died didn't die in vain. Those people that died, they didn't die for nothing. 
that those people died and they are genuinely absent from the body and present with the Lord. Those people that died are in heaven. Those people that died, right, they are, they are there because heaven is real. And you know what? One of these days, you and I are going to die. I know, hey, what the pastor tell you at church today? You're going to die. You know, right? Hey, right? We know the mortality rate's 100%, right? Everybody, everybody's going to die. But can I tell you, there is a hope and there's a confidence and there's an assurance that when we die in Jesus Christ, we will be with him. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him again. I'm going to live with him. Anybody, I'm looking forward to seeing some family and some friends and some loved ones, some of the saints of old. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? We're going to get to be with him forever and forever. And so Paul kind of wraps it up like this. He says, with all of this being true, then if Christ isn't risen, if you're living for him today, if you're going through, if you're, if you're trying to, to, to live like Jesus today, then and that's just foolishness if he's not risen. He says, but if he is risen, if he is risen, then can I tell you that the greatest thing in the world that you can do is to live for him, that everything that you suffer here, you're going to be rewarded for. Every battle that you face, he's going to be with you, and he's going to give you victory. You're going to overcome it. And, can he say, and then he goes on to say, you're not to be pitied, you're to be envied. Because God is with you to help you, to strengthen you, to cause his purposes to be lived out in your life, for you to be blessed now and to be blessed eternally.